I'd like to start this morning reading him. It's called the title of a wonderful piece of my Savior. I often find myself in my devotion to the Lord just going back to old hymns, poems, things of that nature, things I enjoy. And I was reading this one this week, just thinking about the message, thinking about you, thinking about life. I just want to read it for you, read it over us. Wonderful piece of my Savior. Like radiant sunshine that comes after rain. Like beautiful rest after sorrow and pain. Like hope that is kindled returning again. Is the wonderful peace of my Savior. So soft and refreshing and sweet as dew. A promise that cannot be broken to you. A light that will shine all the journey through. It's a wonderful peace of my Savior. It brightens earth's darkest and banishes care and helps you carry the burdens you bear. A refuge in trouble, your sorrows to share, is the wonderful peace of my Savior. A guardian in danger where evil is right. A mighty defender in conflict and strife. A beautiful guide to the heavenly life is the wonderful peace of my Savior. That's where we are this morning. To melt in that peace. To know that it is available. We've got to be grateful. This wonderful Savior's peace, where do we find it? I want to start by introducing you to the Prince of Peace, Jesus. And Isaiah 9, 6 describes him as a gift of divine grace, a child, a son. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the ruler who will bring whole peace among the nations. This counterculture is in comparison to the kings of that day. The kings of that day and even today have an agenda, and that is to reign. It comes with the territory of being king. But in order to reign, they must create war and conquer. And this continues today. The good news about our king and our prince of peace is this, that he will make war and his conquering will result in his reign bringing nations before him and peace throughout eternity. That's the difference in our team. Who is this Prince of Peace? He is Jesus. And He will return. Revelations chapter 19, 11, John writes, Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it, is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness He judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on His head of many diadems. And he is a name written on him that no one else knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name of which he is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on this white horse. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with whom to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. 
He will tread the winepress of fury and the wrath of God the Almighty. And on His robe and on His thigh is the name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Capital K of Kings. Capital L of Lord. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord and He is Jesus. He is the rider on the horse. He is faithful, true. This language identifies Him as the Jesus, as our Savior, and He's coming again. He's a rider that has many diadems. This is the crowns of His royalty. And it signifies His supremacy of the King of Kings. This rider on the white horse is the Word of God. John chapter 1 says He is the Word and He was with God. Martin Luther King states it this way, True peace is not merely the absence of tension, It is the presence of justice. We must understand this. Because history tells us before there was peace, there were those standing and fighting for it. And our Jesus is fighting for it. This is peace. And before Jesus can keep eternal, everlasting peace, He must rightfully make peace possible. Philippians chapter 4, we're going to be walk through chapter 4, uh, starting verse 4, and we're going to just go through 7. We understand that Christ is being Prince of Peace, and He is Jesus. He's coming to make peace, and to make war, and keep the peace throughout eternity. We have the opportunity now by His Spirit to experience this. And Paul's claiming to the Philippians here, Chapter 4, verse 4. Let's read it together. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surprises, surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. That term rejoice, often translated into be glad, find delight in the Lord. Paul calls for the Philippians' attitudes to turn to joy and reason during their time of affliction and, and confrontation so they will take their anxiety and they will replace it with hopeful prayer. They will experience peace. Rejoice in the Lord always. How? I believe it is this simple. Trusting Jesus to be who He says He is. Isaiah the prophet claimed in the Prince of Peace, the mighty counselor. We learned last week his hope. He is Savior. Many of us experienced his salvation when he called us into his own. That was a good day. Jesus Christ is our peace. I have three points I'm going to share with you, and that's the first that Jesus Christ is our peace. And Ephesians chapter 2, 14 through 22 supports this. For he himself is our peace. He is in Jesus Christ 
is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and for those who were near. For through him, we both have access. We have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members, members of the household of God. Built on this foundation, the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself is being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together will grow into a holy, a holy temple in the Lord. In him you will also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Jesus Christ is our peace. He has come in bodily form and went to the cross and He broke the sin in our life and He's hostile, the hostile sin in our lives. And Jesus provides harmony between God with one another in the church. He has made us one, Jews and Gentiles, he came as the solution, as one, broken down in his flesh, in his body, on the cross. He preached to the far and he preached to the near. He brought peace to all the parties. He is the cornerstone. He is the whole structure it's mentioned in verse 21 in which his church is joined together. Jesus is our peace. Contentment in the Christ will give us peace. Gladness. Gladness in our hearts before the Christ will grant us peace. Sanctification in Christ will gift us with peace. Knowing all that we need is Christ will produce in us a contentment, ladies and gentlemen, that nothing in this world can provide. This is what you and I are called to and enjoy. As Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. You and I join in with this charge and commandment to rejoice always. We need nothing but Jesus. That's all. Jesus Christ being our peace will give you and I this and everyone within His church an authentic community and harmony that so many of us long for. We will feel safe. And as this harmony is produced, Paul answers in Philippians chapter 4, verse 5, he says, let your reasonableness be known everyone. As the church, as members, as fellow saints, we are to be reasonable, to be sound, to be sensible in our discussions with people within the church and people outside the church. To the believer and to the lost, we bring this sense of reason. And it's crucial for us to maintain healthy community, not just here within these walls and in our homes, but in our workplaces. And this is the character, hear me, this is the character of Christ that seeks the best out for everyone, not just oneself. We see Paul charging, be reasonable to everyone. That leads me to my second point, that Jesus' presence, Jesus' presence is peace. In Galatians 5.22, Paul writes, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires 
of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these, those oppose each other to keep you from doing the things you do not want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Paul warns you, warns us, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Here we go. Listen to this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. It's peace. It's patience. It's kindness. It's goodness. It's faithfulness. Jesus had crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. And in verse 25 and 26, we live by the Spirit. Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. The fruit of the Spirit working in us, along with many attributes, is peace. Peace. Peace of mind. Peace in our spirit. Jesus' presence is peace. The peace will produce a sensibility and a reasonableness. When we, me and Jason began serving together here at the Oaks, something we adapted really quickly as a value, and I encourage you to do the same, was that when you approach a situation that you seek understanding, not division. Seek understanding of the whole context of the situation. Gather your thoughts. Seek counsel. Generate a response. With reason. That's important for us. So let's examine the narrative real quick of creation in Genesis chapter 1, 26. I want to bring something to the table. Then God said, let us make man in our own image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish and of the sea and over the birds and of the heavens and over the livestock and over all of the earth and over every creeping thing that keeps, that creeps, I'm sorry, that creeps on the earth. If we were to model our lives and we were designed to be after Christ in his likeness and Christ brings a presence of peace, shouldn't we be accountable to do the same? We are accountable to bring peace to situations. Think of it in Genesis chapter 1. God gave us the responsibility to have dominion over every living creature that creeps. We can train animals basically to do whatever we want them to do. We have an opportunity to take the wild and have the ability to bring the calm. God has given us His platform. We bring this order to chaos. We bring reason. Let's bring it home. Let's bring it to our homes. As our children begin to grow up, I'm learning, just wrestling with all these different emotions. He's learning what they look like. He still thinks Christmas is his birthday. You know? I have a, I have a responsibility as a father to lead my family. And as he gets angry and he's learned that, he's learned that at school he was so heartbroken that one of his closest friends, he didn't like him anymore because he doesn't share and he's not a good friend. So I was like, buddy, let's talk about this. And I have an opportunity, and you do as well, as our children grow, as they cry and as they're angry, to really bring peace to the situation and speak that into their lives. 
Hey, buddy, here's how we'll respond as a family. Of course, you use the language of whatever level you're speaking to, but it's important for us to bring that and calm their little souls. Let's get a little more personal, husbands and wives. We've all been there. We have a responsibility to love each other as Christ loves us. And if our Christ reads peace, think about that. I encourage you this morning to let that bleed through your life in your conversations with your husbands and your wife and be the peace that provides resolution. Yes, that is easier said than done. We often agree. This doesn't go just for husband and wife, best friends, family members, co-workers, fathers, daughters, sons, fathers, mothers. We've got to let the peace of Christ work in our hearts and then bring them. We bring reason and truth, there's no doubt. But what is very important is that when we come to defending our faith, is that we are to be firm for what is true. We are to be firm and resolute for what is true. But here's where the peace comes in situations as we defend our faith and stand up for what we believe is right and actually is that we must trust. This is where the peace steps in. We must trust the Spirit of God to be His Word. We must trust Jesus to be who He says He is. We can just display this peace. And as Jesus presence is in our life, we will produce this peace leading us to a live different amongst this culture in this day, and it should lead us to fulfill Paul's request about not being anxious. Look at verse 4, chapter 6. Do not, I'm sorry, verse 4, I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication be thankful, or be in thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. He's now letting tell, he's reminding us to rejoice, to be reasonable. Now do not be anxious. And approach the Lord in prayer. Paul's reflecting back here to the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 6 of Matthew 25 through 34. Jesus is saying, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? That's so true. There's nothing we can do. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Are you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Church, He knows 
what you need. That is our Jesus. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day in its own place. Seek the kingdom of God and all His righteousness. Seek. That word seek. Go before God. Paul answers to that. says that he wants you to go to God with everything in prayer. Seek the kingdom of God as Jesus commands us. In everything that we pray, be thankful before God with our request to God. It's very important. We're so quick to study and read. We want to know God. We want to read the latest books and the books of old that are rich. But we are very lost. We're very lazy. I am speaking to myself. When it comes to this time to just get on our knees and pray, God, here I am. This is where I'm at. This is what you, who you say you are, and it is good, and I am thankful. I need this Prince of Peace that you say you are to be in my life. And that's the only answer that we have. And I know and I trust that. So we look to Jesus, we learn how to pray, we get along with God, and we, we read His high priestly prayers and other times that He spends with the Father. He confesses, Lord, I need, Father, I need Your will to be done in my life. We must model that in our time of prayer and thanksgiving as we come before God with everything. In verse 7 of chapter 4, it says, And the peace of God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Christ comes to bring justice and wholeness as we read earlier. He comes to bring harmony to every relationship throughout all creation. He wants to continually grant that peace in our situations. This peace that surpasses all knowledge and understanding. That contentment in Jesus that He will finish what has been allowed to start here on this earth. It, we will not find this peace, peace that surpasses all understanding from ourselves. We've tried that. We've all tried that. We will take one solution, put it in play. We will take another job. I'll go to another job and I'll go this, I'll do that. And we change all these different situations trying to find the right fit that makes us feel comfortable. What happens here, I believe our heart needs to be calibrated a bit by the Spirit of God. What if you just woke up thankful that you had that job to go to versus I hate my job. I get it. I do. I've had to make tough choices and sacrifice and not spend things the way we used to spend things to do things that we're doing now. But you've got to find this peace that doesn't come from yourself, that doesn't come from your job, it doesn't come from any comfort that you construct, the peace that does not come from any circumstance that you create. It comes from God. It has came as a lily baby. He is the Prince of Peace. And it came through the atoning sacrifice of His Son, Jesus. And it is available to you. Therefore, peace that comes from Jesus in our lives 
if you have experienced the peace of Christ in your life. And Paul says, be reasonable. As we talked about within the church. Be reasonable with your co-workers and family. And as Jesus Christ has given us peace, this peace must transfer to others. God transfers peace to us through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ transfers peace and love through us and His church to others. It's a model. It's how we're designed. Bring this order. Chaos. And the third thing I want to point out is that Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ made everlasting peace possible. He has made it possible. Church, like Christ, we must bring the spirit of peace to our culture. His presence in us will bring wholeness and harmony to situations around us. Matthew 5.13 says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown on the ground and trampled under people's feet. In Colossians 4, 2-6, continue steadfastly in prayer. Let's prioritize prayer in our lives, church. Continue steadfastly in prayer, constantly in prayer before God, being watchful, here it is again, in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open us the door to the Word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. That I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer this person. When you find yourself when you find yourself, church, and I think we've all been there, com- around complaining people, possibly hurting people, people that are confiding in you, and the reason they're doing that is because they consider you safe. They consider your conversations to be different. And the reason your conversations are different, church, is because of the presence of Christ. We're able to be content and mobilized with hope. And when our conversations taste good and they're safe, you have an opportunity to make the decision, will I dismiss and complain with them? Will I dismiss them personally, hear them, let it go, or will I join in on the complaining? Or, or will we turn to God with these conversations? our great counselor and prince of peace, and say, here it is, Father. I want your will to be done in this situation. My invitation to you is not to carry everybody's burdens around you. Trust me, when you become available, it is like a magnet. People, you're a light on a hill, as Jesus would explain it. People will come to you to know especially if you have knowledge. If you even give them a glimpse of hope and understanding, they want to know what you have. My encouragement today is that to walk slowly and listen. When you see that coworker or friend lean in, you know that God has given you a possibility and a platform to eventually, after prayer and counsel, 
speak truth into their life. I've seen it result in salvation. We must be a church that prays and walks closely with the Spirit of God. And when we seek the high counsel of peace, and as He counsels us, then we will take the counsel of peace to people here and now. This wonderful Savior's peace that I read of earlier, where do we find it? In Jesus. His presence. Through this season of life, I've adopted a, I guess you'd call it an art. Going back to school, I revisited creative writing. I loved it. Um, in high school, I didn't give it a chance. At age 34, I look at school a bit different. So as I began to write and learn that I like to write, and now I began to pick up poetry and read poetry. Um, today, I'd like to pre- read one for you. Something that the Spirit's done in me during my time as I experience peace that surpasses all understanding. And when I spend time with Jesus, I know that I'm spending time with my daughter. Good. So this poem that I wrote is called Passing Through Pain. Passing through pain, each stride accomplished in aches and strains. Fading in place of loss, waking each morning has its cost. Dreary expression, eyes lost in the gray. Tears as one ponders the journey of that day. Pressing forward yet living in, mir- in memory, what the world eventually sees is not exactly what tears can be. Waiting through the billows of sorrow-filled seas for one glimpse of the memory, charting the course fixed on the eyes of Christ's victory, one stands sustained and able to simply be. Neighboring angst and every past thought, one must act through to enjoy thee. Remembering life as it was and dreaming of what it could be, one finds himself caught between now and eternity. A perfect peace, could this be? One must search and risk the reality to experience a love that is set free. Yes, this whole peace comes from me, the Christ who came to die for thee. The Lord has moved in me and worked in me. To be able to experience peace in your situation, only responsibility you have to seek Him. Trust Christ who He says to be. Jesus Christ is our peace. Jesus' presence is peace. And Jesus Christ, thank God, will make everlasting peace.